The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so glad to have you here, and I am back live. Uh, Apologize for the replay last week, but was on an airplane and had the rare opportunity uh, to see the three main oceans of our great country. So, Touched the Atlantic Ocean, then the Gulf of Mexico, then the Pacific Ocean, and back to the Atlantic Ocean. It's been a whirlwind, gang, Um, as most of you that have been listening to us know. uh, So I was in uh, Tampa and uh, had a chance to speak to the ITA conference. Uh, Got a chance to meet Frank Abagnale uh, of uh, Catch Me If You Can fame. What a fantastic story he has to share. Uh, But I think I was more excited to meet uh, probably one of the greatest stars of of our generation, uh, Ed Kless, who uh, happens to be right on uh, the the show Soul of Enterprise right before me here on VoiceAmerica.com. So, you know, we've been doing this show uh, since uh, December of 2015, and Ed has has been – Essentially, let's just go ahead and call it. He's been opening for me. We'll we'll just go ahead and say Ed Rod been been opening for me. But uh, no, got a chance to meet Ed in person. It was fantastic, and uh, got a chance to collaborate with him. And we've got some exciting things planned coming forward uh, as we blend our two shows, uh, hopefully here in the future. So really excited things uh, coming up with that. So it was neat to to meet with him in Tampa. Uh, literally the day after that conference, was on a plane to Los Angeles. Got a chance to film a television show. Um, with the one and only William Shatner and Doug Llewellyn, and got a got a chance to really spend some time with Doug Llewellyn. He was a fascinating uh, person to talk to. Told us uh, the story of how he got into uh, into broadcasting, and, and we share broadcasting stories. And he has this wonderful story about his first station manager, a guy that that had a hook for a hand. And, and I don't want to steal his thunder, but it's fantastic if you ever get a chance to meet him and ask him about that. Uh, we saw a taping of America's Got Talent. Uh, and then uh, it was back home just for a day and then back off to Miami, Florida. So a lot of stuff going on. Uh, so unfortunately, I was on a plane, had to do a replay last week. Um, just got back from Miami last night. Uh, and then lots of travel coming up. So Spokane, Washington, we've got an event May 11th. Uh, there's a lot of people at the PMI chapter there that we're going to be speaking at. Uh, so looking forward to that as we do project management that works for them. Uh, May 15th, we're going to be in Virginia. May 23rd, we'll be uh, Edward Jones in St. Louis. Uh, May 29th, back in Miami. Uh, June 9th, El Paso, Texas. You can find all of those events at rickamorris.com. So excited to have you guys along for the ride. Uh, but we are really, really excited about our guest today. Um, this gentleman I had a chance to meet at a couple of the conferences that I've, I've spoken about here on the show. And he's a chief master sergeant. Uh, former Chief Master Sergeant in the United States Air Force. He's got over 30 years of service, which that alone right there should tell you what type of man this gentleman is. 
but he's led and managed over 5,000 people stationed all around the globe. And it was during this period that he discovered his passion for the growth and development of others. And he also discovered that there were certain things that successful leaders did that other leaders did not do. So now retired, he had dedicated his life to helping others grow and develop so that they could reach their full potential. And as an author, he recently published a book called Lead Bold, Lead Strong, Lead Well, Nine Proven Leadership Secrets Anyone Can Learn and Apply, where he shares many of the secret uh, success lessons that he had learned while serving in the military. And as a fellow John Maxwell certified coach, teacher, and speaker, he offers workshops, seminars, keynote speaking, coaching, and aiding with personal and professional growth through study and practical application of John's proven leadership methods as well as his own. I am pleased to welcome Mr. Mike Leitner to the show. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate you having me on your show. No, I appreciate you coming on. Now, we've met each other several times through uh, through our, our entrails there at, uh, at the John Maxwell team, and, and this, this was a show, you know, months in the making, man. I'm so excited to finally have you on and, and get a chance to introduce you to the audience. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I uh, grew up in a small town in Illinois and enlisted in the Air Force, actually, while I was still in high school, and a few weeks after high school... I uh, jumped on an airplane for my very first time, never, never been that close to an airplane before, and uh, shuttled off to, to uh, basic training. And uh, I'll tell you, I have never turned back. That was the single best decision I had ever made in my life because, uh, man, it, it, it read all the difference. And we certainly appreciate your service. And, and I hope, uh, one, you never get tired of hearing that, and two, people never stop saying that to you. Um, I have uh, two brothers that that served in the military, and it, it's certainly a, a personal decision. It's a brave decision. It's one that I don't think it's recognized enough, and uh, it's one I know I personally uh, couldn't could have made, but didn't make, and uh, one that I look up to uh, quite quite fondly. So I appreciate your service, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. When I was 10 years old, my parents actually let me stay up late one night watching TV. And uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but at night, at around midnight, the TV would actually go off the air. And just before it went off the air, they would play the national anthem. And typically, you'd see the Thunderbirds fly over the flag. And, and at 10 years old, I saw that for my first time. And, and that was it. You know, that, that 90 second video literally put me on a course um, that would span o- over 30 years. I, I don't remember the Thunderbirds, but I do remember the national anthem and, and always seeing the flag right before it went to bed. And, and you know, I, I I think that we continue to to pull away from some of those core values that uh, really is what what made us uh, such a powerful nation in the in the in the first place. But I think that's another show and a tangent. I don't think we want to start <laughs> between yeah, you and I me agree. right now. <laughs> because we are going to stay positive and strong around the leadership edge. And so so specifically around this book, though, you know, certainly you saw a ton in 30 years of service and you, and you got a chance to experience a lot. Not only great leadership, probably some poor, um, saw some poor things as well. So so why a book? Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually interesting. You say I saw some poor things. I was actually... Uh, a really, really bad leader uh, my first half of my career. In fact, it took me nearly getting fired to put me on this leadership growth plan that, that's basically been going on for the last over 16 years. Uh, 
and, and it was through that experience, it was through that almost getting fired experience that I realized that, that, you know, that mindset that I had developed when I was younger just wasn't serving me anymore and I needed to expand that. So I really started paying attention to what was going on around me. And, and, and as you alluded to earlier, you know, I started noticing things that successful leaders were doing and unsuccessful leaders were not. And, and so that kind of carried into uh, some speeches that I delivered throughout my career. And there was one specifically when I left Kadena that, that I talked about lead bold, lead strong, lead well. And, and that felt really natural and comfortable. So I actually dusted that off a few years later when I was uh, the career field manager and I was talking to 175-ish of my senior NCOs and I, and I knew that I needed to make it relevant to them. So I, I pulled stories from many of the, the senior NCOs that I'd worked with in the past and I, I laid them into that speech. And, and that, was, that was it. At that point, I knew I really had something. Well, in December of 2015, I, I had a bit of a health scare. I had some chest pains that the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And, and as a single parent of, at the time, a 16-year-old boy, I wanted to, to make sure that, that those things weren't lost if anything happened to me. So I literally sat down over a Christmas vacation, and, and for five days I did nothing but talk into my computer. And, uh, at, and at the end of that, I realized that not only did I have something that was good and valuable for him, but I, I realized that I had something that if it was to be published into a book could help others. So that's what I went ahead and did. You know, in, in one of the prevailing themes that we talk about on the show all the time in, in, in a book that, that, that I wrote called No Day But Today, it's it always seems that we have that scare, that health scare or something like that, that, that preempts us into that action. And, uh, you know, one of the, the things that we're trying to teach is let's not wait for that anymore. Let's not wait for that scare. Let's not wait for that piece when we're when we're talking about our legacy. And certainly, you know, this book is 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 starting to turn into your legacy and the things that you wanted to leave behind for your son. Um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to to take forward in, in everybody that we meet is is let's not wait for that, and, and let's not wait for you know a cancer scare or automobile accident or or chest pains uh, to to realize what's important to us. And, and realize that, that there's things that we got to get done for our families, for our personal lives, and, and for things that we got to do. Um, so that's a side note there. But, uh, you know, so yeah, I, as many people as I meet, authors and everything else, when you ask them, you know, what inspired the book? It's always, you know, something tragic in their lives that, that made us start living them. And um, we certainly applaud that. And, and now that you started living it, uh, as you and I are both on this personal awareness journey, it's it, it, it the the skies are bluer, are they not? Are they just? I mean, it's everything is better once you start to recognize um, the change that that this journey can bring you on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it it really highlighted for me just what a present the present is, and uh, and really got me focused in living living in the moment. You know, making all of those moments count for something. Now, were you aware of Maxwell at that time? When did when did you find Maxwell? Uh, I discovered Maxwell in about 2008. Uh, before that, I was a huge Ken Blanchard fan, and I had pretty much exhausted all of Ken's resources. <laughs> uh, but a friend of mine said, hey, check this out. And he sent me a, uh, it was an executive summary of John's book, Leadership Gold. 
And, and as I went through that, I was like, wow, I mean, this, I just really connected with the material. And, and as John says, he puts the cookies on the lower shelf and, and nothing could be truer. <laughs> he made it so simple that even I could understand it. And that was, that was what really attracted me to him. And once I read that, I just went out and started buying his books and started buying those DVD training kits that he offers. And, and I just you started using those to help train and educate the other folks that were around me. I, I really got passionate about digging into his stuff. And again, it, it becomes that thread that you pull, right? Once you, uh, it, it's, it's how fast can you learn versus how far can you go, as he says it. Um, I think that's yeah. one of the quotes that, that I resonate uh, the most with is, is I started this journey as well. And, uh, you know, I tell the story that I kind of came into it a little bit selfishly. It was, you know, I wanted to to join with the team so that, that I could leverage some of the material and some of the things. And then, uh, boy, I got punched right in the mouth with, with personal growth. And um, that's the best way for me to explain it when I got exposed to Christian. And, and not only that, but um, the power of, of the team and the people around it was was just unbelievable. So we're going to take a quick break right here. And when we come back, I want to discuss your book and get into a little bit more about the book and some of your favorite parts. And I want to have a couple of questions myself about the book. Um, so we're going to discuss those when we come back. First, though, I want you guys to check out uh, the commercials. Uh, we've got uh, our sponsor, CA, is signed on with us again for another year. So we certainly appreciate that. Um, and you can go to rewrite.ca.com or www.ca.com. Check out rsquaredconsulting.com um, is another great resource uh, for you guys. Uh, and, Mike, do you have a website that they can check out while we're on break? Yeah, that'd be great. It's uh, D, the letter D, the number two, the letter D, leadership.com. So that's d2dleadership.com. And those links are also on our page at voiceamerica.com. If you go to this show links uh, page right there, you'll find all of those websites available to you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the other side. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. 
Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back. We are talking with Mike Leitner, author of Lead Bold, Lead Strong, Lead Well, Nine Proven Leadership Secrets Anyone Can Learn and Apply. And so as we come back, I wanted to make sure that we had ample time to start diving into this book a little bit. So, Mike, if you could, just tell us a little bit more about the book. Yeah, the the, the interesting thing that I learned while I was uh, looking at these great leaders was there, there seemed to be three different kind of categories um, that each of them, you know, led from. And and that's how the book is kind of divided out. So there's three parts to the book. Obviously, by the title, you can tell that the first part's about leading bold. And and really what that's about is just taking initiative. You know, average people have a tendency to kind of sit back and wait till they're told what to do, what to learn, how to learn, where, you know, these bold leaders, these people that are, take initiative, get out of their box, and they kind of just lead the charge uh, when it comes to those kind of things. And then when we talk about lead strong, you know, most people read the word strong and they're thinking that, you know, they've got to be some kind of dictatorial leader, they've got to be aggressive, and, and actually nothing could be further from the truth. When I talk about leading strong, I'm talking about being comfortable enough with who you are that you can, you can be humble, you can have faith in your people, and, and you can forgive your people for the mistakes that they're making. And then the last, the last piece is uh, when I talk about leading well, it's really about uh, knowing your people, it's about getting involved with your people. It's, it's really all about people, taking care of people, because ultimately, you know, if you can't get the people to follow you, then then you're not leading. You know, as John Maxwell says, if you're, you're really just taking a hike. <laughs> so the last chapter really just focuses on that, that treating your people well, creating that influence you need with them to be able to get them to do the things that you want them to do, even if you didn't have a title or weren't paying them to do it. And you actually have a quote. It's it's in the second portion of the book, but I think it, it comes along with the, the leading people or, or, you know, people taking a hike. But you have a, a beautiful quote in here uh, by Colin Powell. And it says, leadership is solving problems. The day soldiers stop bringing you their problems is the day you have stopped leading them. They've either lost confidence that you can help or concluded that you do not care. Either case is a failure of leadership. Why that quote? Uh, you know, I've always been a huge fan of Colin Powell. Obviously, my military background, um, I, I can understand, I think, uh, a lot of what he did and how he led uh, his folks. And to me, that that's really the essence of, 
of leadership is is making a safe environment for your folks to come to you with their problems and and creating a safe place for them to celebrate their successes as well. Yeah, as I read your book, there were so many parallels, right, to to a lot of the stuff that that you know I've written or, or read or. You know, I love the the just the titles of the chapters, right? Defend your people or own it. You know, I've got a, a chapter in my book called "It, it Is What It Is," right? <laughs> so own right. it versus it is what it is, and then one that says take care of your team versus defend your people. And it, it, I mean, it was beautifully written. Um, you know, for me, uh, being a high eye personality, and we talk a lot about disc here. Um, the fact that it's a shorter book was fantastic. Um, so you can get through it very, very quickly because I think you and I think the same ways. You don't have to be wordy to to get the point uh, across to be powerful. Um, and and it was a very, very powerfully written book. I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, so what Thank was you. one of your favorite parts uh, of the book as as you as you wrote it? Because you know when you write a book, it's a very personal thing. It's I mean you're you're pouring your heart to the page and and kind of saying, hey, everybody, kind of, Come judge it, you know. Um, but what was one of your favorite parts to write? Yeah, in my book, I, I share a lot of different stories throughout my career. And, and I really try to use those stories as much as I can to kind of highlight the point that I'm trying to make. And one of my favorite stories in the book is about a guy named Tech Sergeant Robert McClary. And Rob was just one of those types of leaders that really uh, – made himself approachable to the people he was leading. He really had that connection or that ability to connect with folks. And one day, you know, Rob was sitting at work and he got a call from one of his airmen who was deployed. And uh, this airman had some concerns about his his girlfriend, you know, and, and Rob could have easily said, hey, you know, that's not in my pay grade or, you know, I'm not getting paid to take care of your girlfriend or, or whatever. But Rob chose to to get involved, and he tried calling this young lady like three different times, and and there was no answer. So Rob made the decision to get involved even further, and actually drove to her house, and uh, and come to find out she was actually living with some other folks downtown. So he convinced these these folks to to let him into the house and to try to knock on the door, and of course the folks knew that that she was home. Uh, but she wasn't answering the door. So, so Rob kept knocking, and she still wasn't answering. So Rob took it even one step further and convinced this couple to let him break down her door. So he, he kicked in the door, and as he gets into the room, he finds uh, this young lady laying on the floor with uh, an empty bottle of pills and an empty bottle of booze uh, laying next to her. So he goes over and kind of shakes her, and, and she's unresponsive. So he directs these folks to call uh, 911, and the ambulance shows up and, and takes her away. And on the way to the hospital, she, she actually died twice and twice was revived. Uh, and, and, I mean, that's, it's pretty telling about just what would have happened if Rob hadn't made that decision to get involved. And the, the really cool part about the story and the part about the story that I really love is, is I keep tabs on a lot of these folks, and, and she is doing extremely well now. She's married. She's got her first baby on the way, and none of that would have happened had Rob made the decision that, you know, that wasn't in his pay grade to get involved in, in, in their personal life. That's amazing. And, and, you know, it leads to something else that I found. I, I really like the chapter in your book, but... Um, there's a question specifically in the chapter that that really brought me towards it as well. But you you have a chapter in the book called "Take a Position," 
um, and really that, that spoke to me around decision making. And, you know, um, I think it's something I see lacking in, in a lot of our leadership today, uh, which is, you know, not being clear in what position you're going to be, whether it's right or wrong, um, for or against, but at least take a position. I, I loved how clearly you stated it. But then there was a question you asked within it. it says, given changes in your awareness, can you change your position on issues? And um, I just thought it was a beautifully written question. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I noticed that that really good strong leaders were able to do is because they were humble enough to admit when they were wrong, and and to be able to to change their position based on new information as it became available to them. You know, some of the the strongest commanders that I've ever worked for. Uh, were that way, where as soon as new information came to light, they would literally uh, change the direction of the entire squadron if they had to, to be able to to correct that mistake. Um, a lot of poor leaders I, I've witnessed as well would, you know, march everybody off the edge of a bridge rather than <laughs> rather than admit that they were going in the wrong direction. And quite frankly, that that's not helpful for anybody. But it's it's also important though to have the direction, and so what what I see is you get into analysis paralysis where nobody will make a decision, so therefore you'll flounder for months. Um, but it's okay to pick a direction and go, and then realize as information comes to light. And, and it's funny because there, you know, in the technology world, and, and I discuss it on the show quite a bit in technology. The, the, there's this new fad they call Agile. And it is certainly not a new fad because uh, Maxwell's talked about it for a long time called Fail Fast. And right. it's the ability to pick a direction, go for it, go ahead and fail as long as you can learn from the failure. And the, the amount of leadership that I meet who fail to make a decision or pick a position um, is just astounding to me. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. And and I found actually, you know, the, the higher I went up, the less information I actually needed because I learned to trust the people that were below me. So, you know, at certain points in my, my, my time in the military, there was a point where I needed 100% of the information before I'd make a decision. Then as I moved up, it'd go down to 80% and then, you know, maybe 60%. And during my final few years in the Pentagon, um, really, I could I had no problem making a decision with only 20% of the information because I trusted the people below me and the people I was working with that in a way that I knew that we could make course adjustments if we had to. I think that's so important these days is, is it, there's a humility in saying, okay, it's, it's cool to change positions. Um, and, and you said humble. I, I like the humility side of it as well. Um, to, to say, nope, nope, that was a poor decision with the information I had. Let's go this way. Um, but I think yeah. it's important from a leadership perspective. Yeah. In fact, in the book, I share a story. Kind of embarrassing. I'll try to get it out really quick, though. Uh, as a new uh, career field manager, I made the decision that, that we were going to kill. We had a bunch of uh, jump slots, meaning positions where people had to be jump qualified to to be in that position. And, and it costs the Air Force quite a bit of money to, to have those positions because those people get paid extra money. So I decided that in order to save some money, I was going to cut out some of those ones that I didn't think were important. And, uh, and I was pretty far along in the process of doing that when I got a call from 
the Air Force Academy, and, and they highlighted the fact that they had jump certified instructors there that were from my career field, and before they could come to that position, they had to have 300 jumps. So I had mistakenly gotten rid of a bunch of p- positions, and in that process, really kind of put them in a bad position because now they didn't have a big enough pool of qualified instructors to pull from. So I had to reverse that decision and go back and actually put a lot of those positions back in place. Well, right. We live and learn. We fail fast. We learn. And and the best part is to be able to have that story to to teach from. So we're going to take another quick break here and uh, play some more commercials. And while we're there, uh, please visit rickamorris.com. You can hit me up at Twitter at rickamorris and certainly have the ability to dial in and ask Mike a question. If you've got one that's burning that you'd like to ask uh, or join in on the conversation, listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. 
And we are back with author Mike Leitner and part of Dare to Dream Leadership Development. And we're discussing his book, Lead Bold, Lead Strong, Lead Well. And so, you know, we were just talking uh, right before this, uh, Mike, as, as, you know, we're talking about reversing directions and changing course, admitting when you were wrong, all those fun things. So I thought I'd have a little fun with you and just kind of flip it on you. Um, I know, as as you know, John says, and, and I've shared the story with my listeners many times. Uh, uh, in you know, my personal stories of writing a book, you know, writing a book is is very difficult, and um, often our our first book is not our, our our best work or our favorite work. It certainly was the best that we did at the time, right? And and we love it, and it's our passion project. Um, but I always share the story that, that John shares on stage when somebody says, hey, I've got your first book. And he goes, why? <laughs> but um, so now now that you've done this and, and you've got this out, and you're certainly teaching from it. And I know that you had three or four teachings just this week on it, which is fantastic. Um, what is something that, that you don't like about the book or something you wish you would have done differently? Yeah, probably the, the biggest thing that I, I'm, uh, I wouldn't call it upset, but I'm, I'm disappointed in was... Uh, I wanted to keep the book kind of as short as I could, you know, make it a pocket-sized type book. So I had to leave out a lot of really, truly great stories about other great leaders um, that I had I had worked with over the years. And I, I, I think if I had gotten to do it again, I would have made the book a little bit longer and, and squeezed in a few more of those stories. So I guess the good news is is that now uh, now people just have to wait till my next book comes out to read those. There it is. It's demand, right? You've you've created a, a a new demand for the market. Yeah, and you know what I've noticed. Um, and I'm actually, you know, I'll be in Spokane, Washington, um, next week, and I'm teaching from my first book, which was called Project Management That Works. Um, and that book came out in 2008, and so it's been nine years since since that first book came out. And uh, as I teach from that book, there are certain sections within the book that I personally disagree with now. And I actually, I, I talk about that with the audience. I'll say, you know, in, in this book, I say this, and I believed that in 2008. Um, but now, in, in 2017, I, I kind of don't believe it as much. Um, and I would approach it this way now. It's, it's interesting as, as you grow and, and develop, and that's what John was talking about, is when he wrote his first book, that was the best that he had around leadership. And as he learned and grew and became better, the, the, and, and some people always ask him, what's his favorite book? And he was like, well, it's the last one I wrote. That's the best I got. <laughs> and and I think that that continues to this day. And I think when you're talking and speaking and leading, um, you're making connections to new stories and to new topics where you're like, oh, that would have been an awesome chapter in the book. Is that is that fair? Oh, yeah, that's fair. And, and actually, there's another piece to it, too. And and I've been looking at a lot of other books that John put out, and he seems to always put an application piece at the end of each chapter. And, and I put some questions in there to kind of get people to think. But I, I think I would have included, I would like to have included an application piece. And that's that's one thing I actually do now that I'm speaking is I actually get people to give them some recommendations on how to apply it and then get them thinking about different ways that they can apply it as well. So is that what you want readers to do? So when they're done reading this book, what is that? Is that what you want them to do with it? Um, yeah, actually, if uh, it would be kind of cool if they were to able to maybe take this on a growth journey and maybe read a chapter a month and and just over that month that they're reading it, just apply it to their lives and, and their work, and then maybe by the end of the ninth month, they will have have adopted all of those different 
things, the secrets that I share into their personality in a way that would help them to create a, a much more rewarding career, a career they could look back on and, and be proud of. Yeah, so it's not necessarily, you know, certainly grab it and digest it, but you know, the interesting thing about growth books is it's it's something you need to refer back to often, right? So whether it's it's your book and the nine lessons, it's it's twenty one irrefutable laws of leadership, it's it's you know the fifteen invaluable laws of growth, it's you know it, it's going back and and it's not something you just read and go, oh yeah, I got it. It's it's going back and reading it again and again and understanding how to apply that into into your career. So. Um, I totally agree that you can't take these nine lessons and then tomorrow, oh yeah, I've got those and and I can apply. It's it's learning how to integrate them into your daily life. Yeah, absolutely. And then as you kind of talked about a little bit earlier, our level of awareness uh, changes over time. So each time you go back and read a book like this, uh, you're actually reading it with new eyes. So you may be reading the same content, but you're going to be getting a different perspective action plan or a, a, a different, um, I guess, uh, a different way of understanding it from each reading. I completely agree. And, and on that note, it, when you do something like that and you say, okay, I'm going to take this nine-month journey, I think one of the biggest things that people don't do, and I think it's not only personally but professionally and, and I think it's one of the biggest issues that's pervasive in organizations is, is accountability. And I know that that's something that you touch on in your book as well. But what, is, what does accountability mean to you and how do you think that that's important? Yeah, I think accountability is, is just that extra set of eyes kind of uh, monitoring us and, and making sure that, that the choices and the decisions that we're making daily are, are actually serving us. Um, and And... And really, when, when we're leaders and we're not holding people accountable, then we're, we're kind of cheating them out of that feedback that they need to learn and, and grow. It, it's, it can be deeper in your world than in the business world, though. Is that true? I mean, what, what I've always been fascinated in, in the military is, is the level of accountability that you guys have to understand his lives are at yeah. stake. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I share in my book, one of the earliest uh, memories I have of being held accountable was with uh, my first supervisor, Staff Sergeant Steve Nidahara. He, uh, he was a great guy, best first supervisor I ever had. But what really happened is one day I was in the shop and we had these general officers that flew with us on a regular basis. And, and my job was when a general was flying with us, I had to stand by where his equipment was and make sure that he got the right equipment and that he got it put on uh, properly. And one day uh, we had this general officer that was in and there was something that needed to be adjusted and I hadn't been trained on that yet. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I just instinctively looked over and hollered, hey, Steve, can you help me? And as soon as I did that, I could see the daggers coming out of his eyes. You know, I knew I did something wrong. I didn't know what it was yet. So he he came over, he did what he needed to do. But as soon as the general left, uh, he sat me down and he said, listen, you know, we, we have two different parts to our relationship here. You know, one is personal and one is professional. And, and never should these two meet. <laughs> and, and if they do, you have to understand the personal life 
or the personal friendship we share goes away. We will have a professional relationship here, and you will never call me Steve in the shop again. And, and I got to tell you, to this day, I still, I mean, he's been retired for 15 years now, and I still call him Sergeant Nidahara. <laughs> Absolutely understand. <laughs> I uh, is that is, so? Is that the one where you want to crawl into the turtle shirt and you you just kind of know <laughs> it's 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 the word. As soon as the words come out, uh, you start to to climb into the turtle shell, and you do not right. want to come out. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've had uh, unfortunately with with my wit and my mouth. Um, I've had more of those stories than I care to share on the radio. So, yeah, well, you, the, the, the good news is go, because he corrected me on it at such a young age and it made such an impact on me, you know, him holding me accountable at that one second put something in me that never allowed for that to happen again. And I think that's truly the, the best gift I could have gotten. It, you know, it's interesting about, it, we're, we're going to go sidebar here for a second. The interesting thing about the way I was raised, my parents, everything has always been yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And and that was ingrained uh, in something I ingrained in my children. I think it's a respect thing to the point that, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s and I'll say it to somebody in their 20s. Um, when I'm on a client site and, you know, and people are always like, oh, you don't have to say, sir, ma'am. And I, I just look at him, I go, that's not something you're going to train out of me or something you're going to adjust at this point. So we're just going to have to get past that. <laughs> it's a respect right. thing. And it's, it's something that just happens. Absolutely. So we're going to take our last break right here. And when we come back, we're going to ask our favorite question that we always ask. And we're also going to find out what Mike's going to be coming up to uh, in the next few weeks and maybe some engagements that he's going to be speaking on. And then our favorite question, as always, is what the best advice he's ever been given. And, And with some of the people that he's been around, I'm excited to hear what that may be. As I know, some of the personal things, too, of you know, even, even, you know, sharing, sharing dinner at Paul Martinelli's house and things like that. So you're gonna have to dig deep, Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot on that one, but uh, we'll be right back on the other side of this break. You're listening to the work-life balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business and business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. 
the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development, to management to security, end-to-end -end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back for this final segment on Cinco de Mayo here on the Work-Life Balance. And we do have some breaking news to share here. It's something that Mike and I both are very, very excited about. Um, and it's something I haven't discussed yet on the show. Um, but with Mike here, I think it seems uh, apropos to talk about um, since Mike and I are both very, very excited about the opportunity. But uh, there is a new offering that's going to be coming. As you, as you hear Mike and I talk about John Maxwell, you certainly, you know, my longtime listeners have heard me come back from the Maxwell events and the John Maxwell team very fired up. Um, there is an opportunity now um, locally uh, for people that, that, that we're going to be able to bring this to you. And uh, you don't have to be a John Maxwell team member. Um, but there is something now called the John Maxwell Club. So um, if you think uh, most people that, that look for speaking opportunities or, or learn how to become a better speaker, you go to Toastmasters, Dale Carnegie. Uh, if you're looking for coaching, if you're looking for all these different things, a lot of times you don't know where to go. And so why not come to the best name in the business uh, and somebody that obviously Mike and I both believe in uh, very much to, to attach our names to. Uh, which is John Maxwell. And so there's something called the John Maxwell Club that is coming. And so there's going to be really five offerings. Uh, there'll be the Maxwell method of speaking, uh, coaching, leadership, uh, selling. Uh, he's actually also going to be doing the Maxwell method of writing, um, which are all going to be potential workshops and items that you're going to be able to do locally. So there's going to be local club owners right now. I think there's, what, 3,000, Mike? Um, uh, potentially that it had signed up for this first go-round. Um, yeah, maybe a so. little less. Exact number. Yeah, maybe a little less, but most likely there's going to be a club in your area. Um, in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, I own the, the, the rights to that. And um, in Alaska, uh, your founder and founding club member is going to be Mike. So, Mike, you... You're already working on this, man. You're ready. To, you're ready to launch. I know the that technically we're launching what first of June, um, as far as really going to market with the, the strategy. But you're 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 already coming out of the gates, brother. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. In fact, uh, later today I'm looking to secure my my location for my first speaker training workshop uh, in July. Absolutely. I actually had a strategy meeting uh, today. Um, with my team as we're securing our location for Speaker Club and uh, our first set of workshops, uh, we're targeting the coaching workshop and the speakers workshop. Obviously, um, 
you know, with me being a professional speaker, uh, we feel like that's that's the lanes we're going to be uh, most successful in. Uh, but super exciting uh, news. I mean, it's going to be very, very low cost. It's going to be competitive towards the Toastmasters and Carnegie crowd. But um, I think uh, Ed DaCosta and, and Roddy Galbraith really said it best is, you know, when you think of speaking, you go to Dale Carnegie. Yeah, that was fantastic. But Carnegie's been dead for a long time. And uh, Maxwell's alive and very much willing to help. So um, yep. we've seen the materials. Uh, I've been through them. They're fantastic. And it's going to be just a way to reinforce um, not only training, but leadership from, from the number one leadership guru in the world. Um, and it's a way to not only meet and network people within in your own city, but continue this leadership and growth awareness journey that, that, that we're both on. So, um, with that being said, um, so you've got the club. Is there any other speaking engagements or anything like that that, that you want to announce coming up? Uh, next, the uh, big event that I'm hosting is a uh, is a it's called Live the Lead. It's a half day workshop offered through the John Maxwell Company as well, and uh, that's actually coming up on the seventh of November. Those are phenomenal. The last one was what uh, Simon Sinek, uh, Liz. Um, uh, Wiseman and uh, and then the um, the president and CEO of Chick Fil A as well as John. That was an amazing event, um, which was simulcast all over the the country and, and and hosted there locally as well. So that's a fantastic event uh, as well. So if you're in the Alaska area, please find Mike uh, as he will be hosting an event where you can go and see that live uh, when that comes out in November. Um, also, um, then finally, Mike, what? Uh, What's the greatest advice you've ever been given? Yeah, it's uh, the best advice I ever got was about 18 years ago, uh, right after my son was born. Um, I had a, a good friend of mine and mentor that I really looked up to, and, and he he sat me down. And, and at the time, I was a single parent, and I, I really didn't know what I was doing. So I was just taking whatever advice anybody could give me. Uh, but this really resonated with me. He said, Mike, you need to decide whether your son's going to be there for you when you retire or not. And I was, I was kind of perplexed. I didn't really know what he was talking about. So he went on a little further. He says, here's the deal. Every decision you make from this point on is going to decide whether he's there. You need to prioritize your life. Is your priority going to be your family or your work? And I was just, I mean, that made such a huge shift in in me personally and in my my work life as well um by far the best advice ever my son actually turns 18 here in uh in eight days uh still a single parent i haven't killed him yet and he hasn't killed me yet (laughs) and and i have to say we have the best uh relationship of all times it is it's absolutely incredible so um by far the best advice that's fantastic advice and, and lives every principle that we're trying to promote here on the work-life balance. It's the whole reason for the existence of the show uh, and how I started the, the, the path of work-life balance is, is that we work way too much. Um, and so for those of, uh, of the people that, that understand even just my logo, the logo uh, of R-Squared Consulting is my entire family baked into the logo so that I can put that on my chest over my heart uh, so that I do business every day, and when I'm doing business every day, my family's right over my heart, so I know who I'm doing this for. 
um, that is the ever essence and ever being of the work-life balance. And Mike, you certainly live those principles. And I look forward to August when we can see each other. You know, it's a little bit more difficult for you and I to get together. Uh, Alabama to Alaska is not an easy flight. Uh, but look forward to Orlando in August, as I know we're both signed up for the uh, next uh, live event for JMT. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the best things about JMT is that we get an opportunity to get together twice a year with 2,500 of our best, most positive, motivated friends <laughs> and, and kind of recharge our batteries because it, it seems like there's so much uh, negative press and negative negativity in the world. It's, it's nice to get away from that for for a few days and, and just get around some positively motivated people that just want to make the world a better place. I'll tell you, you you said exactly the phrase that I use. I feel like sometimes I'm I'm somewhat somewhat of a gremlin that that's pulling the energy from you guys, but I can definitely feel you know certainly by July I'm going to be depleted, and and by August I'm going to need you guys. So I can't wait to see you guys again, uh, recharge those batteries, and then I'll be coming out like gangbusters as I usually do from that event, uh, ready to light the world on fire. So. Um, and, and you can hear it even in the radio shows, man. I, I come out, I always do a show right after the event to, to share everything that I learned. Um, and then, you know, there's a flurry of activity at the company and then it, it starts to, it starts to deplete from there until I see you guys again. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So Mike, we certainly appreciate you being a part of the show. We look forward to seeing you again in August and please keep in touch with us. And, and of course, you know, when book number two comes out and, you know, I'd love to do a show when the, uh, when the club launches, you know, about a month or two uh, into the club and we can get together and talk about uh, what, what's going well, what's not going well and, and how it's impacting people's lives. I'd love to have you a part of that. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the speakers club. Uh, I got to tell you, I hated public speaking. In fact, I still do to some extent, but uh, the, the work that I have done with the John Maxwell company and, and being able to progress through their, their awesome training plan has, has literally changed my life. And I'd like to be able to bring that to other people as well. So, looking yeah. Forward and, to it. and from the comfort of their own city, right? It, it's, it's, it's an yeah. amazing opportunity. It's an amazing uh, thing. And it, it was an absolute no brainer uh, uh, when the opportunity was presented to me. So, um, I, 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 I believe I was, you know, fourth in line. I, I don't think we, when they gave us the offer sheet, I was like, where, where do we go? Uh, let's go. Right. Let's rock. There, there, there was no thought process whatsoever. It was like, let's rock this thing and go. So, yeah. um, we well, appreciate I, you being well, a part of it. During the first break, I got up and I went over to Paul Martinelli and I asked him, is, is there an express lane where, you know, we could just give you our credit card and <laughs> we don't have to listen to the rest of the presentation? <laughs> so, again, Mike, thanks you, uh, thank you again for being a part of the show. Again, next week I'll be in Spokane, Washington. Uh, I believe I'm going to have to do a replay again next week, gang, so I apologize for doing two replays uh, um, almost back-to-back there, but I will be on a plane coming home. Uh, to see the family, so trying to manage that work-life balance as best I can. Uh, so next week there will be a replay as I'm on a plane coming home from a speaking event, but we'll be in Spokane, Washington, uh, and then off to uh, Miami, and then, or I'm sorry, Virginia, then St. Louis, then Miami, uh, and then off to El Paso from there. So looking forward to seeing you guys in person. Please come see us and support the show. Uh, and as always, we thank you for listening to the Work-Life Balance on the Voice America Business Network. We will talk to you again very, very soon. Thank you so much.
Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 